Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hockey on hold. The NHL suspends all cross-border games until after Christmas. Plus. Students have no idea whether there's six or 600 cases on campus. Why UBC is defending in-person exams despite student concerns over Omicron and. Having the Coca-Cola coming back online is an absolutely huge deal for us. How the Coca-Cola's earlier than expected reopening is rolling out and what it means to essential travelers. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. More on those stories in just a moment, but we begin with breaking news. The RCMP is investigating a fatal attack that happened near one of the province's busiest malls. A section of Metro Town in the 4800 block of Kingsway was behind police tape after officers were called to a stabbing just after 11.30 this morning. Police say the victim was transported to hospital but was pronounced dead. Officers were also focused on an apartment on nearby Dow Avenue, but police will not say if that is part of their investigation. If you were in the Metro Town area between 11 and 1 o'clock today and saw anything suspicious, police want to hear from you. No details on the victim nor the circumstances of the attack have yet been released. UBC students upped the pressure on university administration this weekend as the Alma Mater Society demanded that all remaining in-person exams this semester be cancelled given the surge in Omicron cases in the ongoing pandemic. Kamil Kermali has the details, including the response from the university. Hundreds of UBC students pouring out of an exam class. This video shared widely. So was this image of a math exam. The student who posted it claiming there were more than 250 people sitting about two feet apart for more than two hours. Students are worried um, with the rising case levels around the world with the Omicron variants. UBC's alma mater society now calling on the university to switch from in-person to online exams. Students are beyond stressed and they're feeling immense pressure to show up for exams. Exams have been ongoing for more than a week with the last day of tests on Wednesday. We hadn't seen the conditions that exams were being held in um, and it's better late than never. Justin Kim is an economics student. His professor flagged a positive COVID-19 case in his class right before his final exam. We all sent him an email. The uh... Uh, before the exam and just asking him, like, saying, hey, we're not very comfortable doing this. And he said, sorry, there's nothing I can do. Um, we're going to proceed as normal. Now this group says they've gotten a petition with more than 1,000 signatures calling for the school to switch to virtual exams. Also taking issue with the university not disclosing the number of positive cases within the school. Students have no idea whether there's six or 600 cases on campus right now. Meanwhile, UBC says it met with public health officials this past Friday regarding in-person exams and was given the green light to go ahead with them.
They have advised that for the exams and the way that we have approached our, our, the setting up of our exams are completely appropriate. The school also adds students who aren't comfortable attending in-person exams can request to defer it. And so that is to try to support students that might feel if there's some con- conflict. Although some deferred exams could happen as early as January, these students highlight the official school policy postpones them by as many as six months, causing major issues moving forward with classes for next semester. Kamal Karmali, Global News. Meantime, at the University of Calgary, the president of the university sent a note to the campus community. Ed McCauley says the remainder of in-person exams for the fall semester have been cancelled. However, online exams will continue. McCauley says this will give them more time to determine the effect of the Omicron variant. The regular semester with in-person instruction is scheduled to begin on January 10th, but that could change as well. As of midnight, B.C. will be under new restrictions, including social gathering limits to help reduce the spread of the Omicron variant. All personal and social gatherings indoors will be restricted to one household plus 10 other people or one additional household if everyone is vaccinated against COVID-19. Venues with capacity of 1,000 or more must reduce to 50% capacity. All events, not just those 50 plus, will require proof of vaccination. Event operators will now be required to scan the QR code on the BC vaccine card. Sports tournaments are cancelled. All New Year's Eve organized events are also cancelled unless guests are seated. The restrictions are set to last until the end of January. The weekend before Christmas is traditionally one of the busiest travel times of the year. But with the federal government advising against non-essential trips, many Canadians are reconsidering their planned vacations as the Omicron variant continues to spread rapidly throughout the world. Kristen Robinson reports. I love you. Merry Christmas. On the last weekend before the holiday, YVR's International Departures Terminal is bustling. We're headed to Burbank and then we're going on a cruise to Mexico. Many travelers not foregoing their plans, despite the Fed's warning Canadians against non-essential travel abroad as the Omicron variant continues to spread. Probably should be staying, but it's just not in my travel blood. What can I say? I know it's tough, but you just can't really let these things get in the way of life sometimes. If it was stronger wording, probably wouldn't have gone, but it's not, so. Canada's Global Travel Advisory is prompting some frontline physicians to stay home. Dr. Kevin McLeod cancelling a family trip to Hawaii after working 18 months non-stop in Lionsgate Hospital's COVID ward. Dr. Brinder Narang was set to travel to L.A. for a family wedding. He decided to cancel his first international flight in two years out of respect for his profession and patients. Being someone who's been so vocal and public and supporting public health measures, me on a personal level, uh, I couldn't um, do something that would, you know, be in conflict with that. Narang says travelers need to weigh the risks of getting sick or stranded in a foreign country with the benefits of reconnecting with family. You have to be prepared that if you leave, yes, you will be able to come back, but it might not be an easy process. It is just, you know, raging through through the world, really. Even with waning protection against Omicron, experts say getting immunized, still the best way to reduce the risk of hospitalization or ending up in the ICU. The difference between a vaccinated and boosted person 
who has an infection and someone who has an infection who's never been vaccinated, a major difference with regard to the risk of severity. It really hit home when you start to know the people who died. Paul Orizetti took to Twitter with a dire holiday message after his best friend lost two cousins to COVID this week. Both were in their 60s and unvaccinated. He didn't think he needed to argue with his own relatives to say, hey, you know what? It's real. It's not a joke. It's not a fantasy. Kristen Robinson, Global News. All right, and some news from the National Hockey League today amid the COVID-19 surge. The league is postponing games between Canadian and U.S.-based teams until at least after Boxing Day. Barry DeLay is joining us for more on this development. So, Barry, what does that mean for the Canucks, whose home games this weekend were already put on ice? Yeah, well, it basically means they're not going to be playing until December 27th. They were scheduled to go to San Jose Tuesday to play the Sharks, but as we just saw in the story, you risk the possibility of being stranded down there. If any players has a positive test while in the States, crossing back to Canada could take uh, quite a while. And also their game Thursday against the Ducks and American team also postponed. So that brings it up to four. If you have tickets, hang on because uh, they still have not rescheduled those quite yet. Interesting. So why not cancel all games? Well, the NHL has uh, thought long and hard about this. First of all, rescheduling games is going to be uh, quite a task. Uh, And if they can get games in and they want to do it on a team-by-team basis, it seems the tipping point is around six or seven players. And if that happens, they are shutting teams down or at least postponing games. But they don't want to just say, hey, let's just postpone them all and wait, because that would mean a a bit of a nightmare trying to reschedule the games, especially if they go to the Olympics. But uh, Neithu, it looks more and more like that's uh, just not going to happen uh, if the variant gets worse or or it just gets hotter with the COVID situation. uh, Teams or the players may not want to go or just the fact that uh, they'll lose so many games that they just wouldn't be able to reschedule. And the NHL is meeting uh, this weekend and could have a decision as early as tomorrow about whether they will or won't go. And you'd figure if it comes tomorrow, they'll say they're not going. So that's the latest. It's not great. But uh, as of now, the Canucks next game, not till the 27th against Seattle. All right. Thanks for that insight into what seems to be ever-changing developments in the NHL. Thanks for that, Barry. Well, the issue of MLA safety once again becoming a concern after an NDP member says she was aggressively harassed over vaccine mandates. Hi, everyone. I'm Brittany Anderson, MLA for Nelson Creston. The incident is said to have happened Friday as Brittany Anderson and her staff drove home to Nelson from events in Creston. Anderson says she and her staff were stopped at a highway rest stop. That's when Anderson claims a man screamed at them about vaccinations. Anderson says the man's actions became so aggressive, she and her staff ran to their car and left, later reporting the incident to the RCMP. Well, there is relief and anticipation tonight ahead of the reopening of the Coquihalla Highway to essential traffic on Monday. One of the many key routes connecting the south coast to the interior that was severely damaged in last month's storms. As Paul Johnson reports, the restricted opening weeks ahead of schedule now eases pressure on another major route. If you've been reeling from nearly two years of doom and gloom headlines, Consider this Made in BC success story. The partial reopening of the Coquihalla Highway is now happening well before what they initially anticipated. What can I say? The BC road builders are known as uh, amongst the best in the world. Starting Monday morning, commercial truckers will be the first back on the Coquihalla, 
There will be lane and speed restrictions, and the trip to Kamloops is expected to take about an hour longer than usual. But it's a major step toward normalizing our supply chains, and the trucking industry couldn't be happier. There's no possible way to express our thanks enough, not just for the engineering crews, but for those workers who have been working in the cold, in the rain, in the snow. While truckers look forward to now being able to bypass the comparatively more difficult Highway 3, the town most affected by the Coquihalla's closure, Merritt, also stands to take another big step toward normal. They sustained massive damage from the floods, so the value of having their main transport artery restored can't be overstated. Having the Coquihalla coming back online is an absolutely huge deal for us. Huge for Merritt, huge for BC, and huge for Canada. For people who had to travel to the interior after the flood disaster, many were faced with the prospect of expensive airline tickets or not going at all. One other option is intercity bus service like e-bus, which are deemed essential and allowed to drive on highways that have been closed to the general public. But plan ahead if you intend to bus it. certainly have some sold-out schedules, but we add uh, um, extra services, uh, giving people options. To restore the Coquihalla, crews had to replace five missing brands and repair damage at 20 different sites. Bringing it back faster than expected is a clear win. The British Columbians will remember. Paul Johnson, Global News. Well, an equipment malfunction has meant a slow go for anyone flying in or out of Prince George this weekend. A machine that de-ices the aircraft broke down on Friday, resulting in several flights being grounded. Attempts to fix or replace the equipment have been slow. This has led to significant delays at the PG airport. The part is now being flown in and another de-icing truck is on its way from the lower mainland. In the meantime, flights have resumed because most planes didn't require de-icing today. The airport says any inquiries about the status of individual flights or compensation for delays should be directed to the airlines. Well, it didn't take a snowstorm to create some dicey road conditions on the south coast this morning. Parts of Metro Vancouver, including the intersection of Commercial Drive and Broadway, were blanketed by thick fog overnight. The effect of this fog layer was captured on our tower camera overlooking downtown. It was also cold enough for black ice to be a problem for some pedestrians and motorists. It's a reminder to anyone driving in the fog to turn on their headlights, which activates the taillights, in order to see and be seen. And can you anticipate the same slick conditions tonight? Well, let's bring in meteorologist Yvonne Schell for details on that. What can you tell us, Yvonne? Yeah, very similar. So give yourself that extra time for the early morning hours. The Monday morning commute temperatures will be below the freezing mark for many areas across the province. So anticipate slick road conditions. And we're seeing the temperatures even dipping down into the minus double digits for much of the central and southern interior. Now we've got this cold Arctic ridge of high pressure that's building in across the province. It's strengthening over the next two days it'll retreat briefly as we get in midweek on Wednesday and then it advances once again and that's approaching the end of the week and leading in towards our Christmas. We do have the chance for some snow a few times this week and then getting closer to Christmas uh, the timeline of when we can anticipate some snow coming up very shortly. Nithu. All right thanks so much Yvonne. One person has died following an incident at Silver Star Mountain Resort today. A spokesperson for the resort says it happened in the Powder Gulch area of the mountain. He also says there are no indications that there was an avalanche involved. The RCMP have now taken over the investigation. 
And coming up after the break, remembering Micah Blom. She was a beautiful girl. <laughs> On all levels, she'll always be my little girl. How the father of the BC teen describes his daughter, whose homicide remains under investigation. And later... The peaceful protest in Toronto in support of a First Nation in B.C. Earlier this month, Delta police revealed the devastating news that Micah Blom, a 17-year-old who'd been reported missing just days earlier, was found deceased and a person had been arrested. Today, her family is speaking out, wanting to reveal more about the bright young life who's gone much too soon. Julia Foy reports. From very early age, she was very in touch with nature. When the tide is out, she would go look for shellfish and just about anything she could get her hands on. Delta dad Warren Blom wants the world to know about his 17-year-old daughter, Micah. There's always her deep, deep caring and her deep love for the people around her and her love for nature and, and, and animals. Blom says the girl with the bright red hair embraced her unique mane. Sometimes, depending on the time of year, it could be lighter or darker, and it's, if this light would hit it in a certain way, it would just be this really beautiful red. Micah was looking forward to graduating from Delta Secondary School next spring and recently asked her dad to go shopping for a grad dress. Out of all the dresses that we saw there that had all kinds of colors and flowers on it and things, it was the most stunning just to have black because she it emphasized her and she was beautiful. But Micah's life came to an end on December 4th. She'd been reported missing and friends, family and Delta police frantically searched for her. Sadly, she was found deceased at a Tawasin residence. One man was taken into custody. So far, no charges have been laid. Many people deeply, deeply cared for her and all were involved in her life and, and loved her. People from as far away as Holland joined in two memorial services for Micah. In her honour, the family is raising funds for a Mexican orphanage that Micah loved. The kids uh, really gravitated to her and she to them. Blom hopes to have a memorial bench installed at Boundary Bay Park because it's a place he feels close to her. These sandpipers were just stunning in, in how they flew around and whipped around. It looked like a little spirit was going, it was right in front of us here. It was really a jaw-dropping uh, moment here. She was a beautiful girl. <laughs> On all levels, she'll always be my little girl. Julia Foy, Global News. One man is in custody and two people are recovering in hospital after a stabbing in Nanaimo Saturday night. It happened shortly after 7 in the evening on Northumberland Avenue near Cadigan Street, just north of downtown Nanaimo. RCMP say two adults in their 60s were attacked in their own home by someone known to them. Both suffered multiple stab wounds and were taken to hospital. The suspect, a man in his 20s, fled the scene but was later arrested at a home on Boundary Crescent nearby. He remains in custody facing attempted murder charges. Police say this was an isolated incident. Several people are temporarily homeless tonight and one cat has died after an apartment fire in Port Alberni. Around 3 this morning, flames erupted inside a second-floor suite in the building in the 4,000 block of 7th Avenue. When crews arrived, the heat had broken a window and flames were spreading to the third floor. 
19 Port Alberni firefighters and Sprout Lake volunteers attacked the fire and rescued two people in separate units. One person was taken to hospital. Their current condition is unknown. One cat did not survive. The cause of the blaze is not believed to be suspicious. Multiple tenants are displaced and being housed by emergency services. A second civil suit claiming sexual assault by an Indigenous healer employed by the Kelowna Friendship Society has been filed in Kelowna court. A woman from Penticton claims she was fondled and kissed while undergoing a healing treatment at the Friendship Centre by Joseph Camille, also known as Buckles. She also blames the Kelowna Friendship Society for doing nothing after sexual assaults were reported and even continuing to encourage other people to be treated by Camille. The papers were filed on Friday. Earlier this year, another woman filed a civil suit against both the Friendship Society and Camille, also claiming sexual assault. That woman also gave a statement to RCMP who are still investigating. Neither Camille nor the Kelowna Friendship Society have filed statements of defense. None of the allegations have been proven in court. RCMP and the Kootenai are hoping the public can identify two suspects in an iPhone smash and grab that was caught on video. Around 7 a.m. on Thursday, December 9th, the man and woman were captured on surveillance, breaking a large glass window at a business in the 1200 block of Bay Avenue in Trail. The pair smashed a display case and stole 13 iPhones, the version 12 and 13 models, before grabbing other items off one of the store's walls. They fled with approximately $17,000 worth of stolen goods. If you recognize these two, you're asked to call Trail RCMP. And coming up, Canada's next steps on COVID-19. This is unprecedented in terms of our case numbers. And the pandemic pivot some doctors and experts are calling for amid Omicron's rapid spread. Plus, I find it extremely racist. This is native land. What demonstrators rallying against Bill 21 this afternoon are calling on the prime minister to do. No accidents here at the Landscape Bridge. We are seeing delays southbound through the causeway and into downtown, but slow and steady is the usual for traffic here on a weekend. Northbound is doing just fine. Get best-in-class protection and savings with BCAA Insurance. Learn more at bcaa.com. From the Global Traffic Centre, I'm Jackson McNulty. Record daily case counts were reported Sunday in Quebec and Nova Scotia, but COVID-19 infections are rapidly rising right across the country, mostly due to the Omicron variant. As David Aiken reports, experts say more records will soon be broken, and that means Canada needs to do more to prepare. The math of Omicron is simple and inevitable. Omicron's R-value, its reproductive rate, is three or higher a single case, two or three days later, turns into three cases. Two or three days later, turns into nine cases. Two or three days later, turns into 27 cases. The most recent data suggests a small percentage of the Omicron infected will need hospital care. But with the number of expected cases, even a small percentage could overwhelm healthcare systems. If we even see, you know, point. of all the cases and we expect, you know, a third of the population to get it, that's enough to cause a lot of difficulties in the healthcare system. Rising case counts have also brought renewed concern for those living in and working in long-term care facilities. 
As a physician who works on the front line of long-term care, I'm absolutely terrified uh, by what's uh, expected to happen with the Omicron variant. One reason, booster rates are still too low. In Ontario, just 32% of those who work in long-term care have had their third dose. That compares to 86% of those who live in LTC homes. We need to really treat this as an emergency at this point in time. This is unprecedented in terms of our case numbers and, and really, again, just very uncontrolled epidemic growth. Doctors and other experts say governments need a pivot in their public health strategy to deal with that rapid growth. David Aiken, Global News, Ottawa. In Toronto, the Bloor Viaduct was shut down today after dozens of protesters took part in a peaceful demonstration in support of the Wet'suwet'en First Nation in B.C. The gathering is in response to the building of the Coastal GasLink pipeline on Wet'suwet'en land, as well as violence and arrests made by the RCMP back in November, while the Wet'suwet'en people say they were defending their land. In Calgary, dozens of people gathered outside of City Hall this afternoon to show their opposition to Bill 21. The Quebec bill was enacted in 2019. It bans any government employee or someone in a position of authority from wearing religious symbols on the job. Controversy over the legislation erupted again last week when a grade three teacher in Chelsea, Quebec, was fired for wearing a hijab. As an indigenous woman, who converted, became a Muslim 31 years ago. I find it extremely racist. This is native land. Now we're telling the others Muslims that they can't wear their hijab in, you know, in their place of work, in institutions. This is infringing on human rights. Demonstrators want Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to step in, saying the law causes second-class citizenship. And coming up next, it's a rare look at a moment. There's a, a juvenile up there, which is probably their young. What an expert says about these bald eagles clashing caught on camera. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. All right, check out some remarkable wildlife footage captured on video of two bald eagles clashing over a fish. Okay, wait for it as I describe this. There's the moment. Global Okanagan viewer Claudette Murty caught the action from just outside her home in Summerland on Okanagan Lake. Dale Belvedere, the manager of the Sorco Raptor Rehab Centre in the South Okanagan, explains what's happening. Not abnormal. They do it quite often. Um, you can see in the video they're not aggressive with each other. The uh, smaller one just wants the food that the larger one is holding. And also in the video, you'll notice there's a, a juvenile up there, which is probably their young, and maybe wanted to give them the food as well. But this is normal behavior in eagles. It's just rare that people actually see the everyday life of eagles. Between the COVID situation, the highway situation, we, we stay on our toes around here. 
The layered struggles at Sun Peaks in another tough year for BC ski resorts. That story is just ahead, but first let's take a look at the snow situation and fog situation, bringing back meteorologist Yvonne Shell for the latest. Yvonne. Yeah, we could see that set up once again with a few fog patches, but it'll be slick with temperatures below the freezing mark. So a heads up for the Monday morning commute, and then we'll have some sunshine as we get in towards the afternoon. Temperatures right now, we're sitting at two. We've got a light north northerly wind at nine kilometers per hour, dipping down to minus three overnight. It'll be partly cloudy, so just a few clouds in the mix. We'll see that for the early morning hours, and then a clearing is on the way. Mainly sunny for tomorrow, but chilly. Highs just up to one. The average for this time of the year typically sits closer to six degrees. Ridge of high pressure will continue to build, but it's bringing in this cool Arctic air, and we've got strong outflow winds, especially along the northern half of the province, that will continue over the next few days. The north coast, inland, an Arctic outflow warning that is in effect. We'll see temperatures with the wind chills feeling into the minus 20s over the next few days, and much of the province will be feeling those cold temperatures, and that extends even in towards the southern half. It'll retreat slightly on our Wednesday, Thursday, a bit of a reprieve, but then it builds in and advances once again towards the end of the week. This will be leading in towards our Christmas, so it'll be cold enough to see some snow, and we are going to see a few waves of precipitation. Now, here's what I anticipate. For tomorrow, dry conditions, and then the first chance for some snow will be on Tuesday night leading into Wednesday, and then once again Wednesday night leading in towards our Thursday, We'll get close to Christmas. It's still a few days out. But we have the potential to see some snow, especially as we get near Christmas, and then leading in towards our Christmas weekend. Now, the northern half of the province will see uh, sunshine. It's inland with those wind chill feeling into the minus 20s, chilly for the northeastern corners of the province. A bit of cloud cover for the central interior. It clears out towards the afternoon, similar across the southern half for tomorrow, but very chilly. Temperatures into the morning hours with the wind chill feeling into the minus double digits in areas, for example, near the tops and for Kamloops, highs just up to minus 8. Much of the south coast, so a heads up, slick road conditions. We've got temperatures below the freezing mark overnight. Through the afternoon, a clearing is on the way. We'll have a mainly sunny sky. Highs will be up to 1 degree. Pleasant for tomorrow, one of the nicest days out of the bunch so far. Be prepared, though. Tuesday, it'll start off as rain, then a chance for some snow as we get in towards the evening hours. Wednesday, leading in towards Thursday. And then as we approach our Christmas and into the weekend so far, we've got that chance for some snowfall. But a heads up, it's going to be chilly over the next few days. Nithu? All right. Thanks very much, Yvonne. And just in time for the holidays, Sun Peaks hopes the reopening of the Coquihalla Highway to essential travel and the easing of pressure on Highway 3 will bring a few more visitors to the resort community. The road closures and the ongoing pandemic have made for some challenging times at the mountain. Amandalina Leterio of CFJC News reports. In the COVID situation, the highway situation, we, we stay on our toes around here pretty much. Sun Peaks Resort is taking a financial hit for a third year in a row. With the new COVID-19 Omicron variant and major highways closed to non-essential travel, the resort is expecting a substantial decline in visitors. Over the Christmas holidays specifically, a vast majority of our traffic would be coming from the Seattle-Washington state area and the Vancouver-Lower Mainland markets. This year, Sun Peaks Resort expects to bring in less than half of the money it makes in a normal year. This Christmas is going to be pretty close to what last Christmas was, which is about a 50% decline in people around the resort, which would result in higher than a 50% decrease in revenue. It's getting pretty quiet around here to the point where uh, we've needed much less staff than we've had in the past. Fewer visitors at the resort means businesses are seeing less foot traffic. The 
flip side is we definitely have seen, especially with this last year with COVID and all that kind of stuff, a huge increase in local traffic. And those local skiers from Kamloops and its surrounding areas are loving having the slopes all to themselves. It's really nice to like not have to wait a long time and most of the time also having a free chairlift. I just did a lesson this morning with some of the awesome instructors here and I kind of got a bit of a one-on-one -on -one lesson by accident. Perfect. Lots of room up here right now. I think it'd be a great opportunity for locals to come up and enjoy the slopes. The peak in local visitors helps, but Sun Peak says it's not enough to sustain the resort and restaurants. A long-haul international guest or someone from Eastern Canada, um, they, they spend more money than the local market. You know, the local market, people are coming up, they've got their season's passes, getting great value, going home at the end of the night, having dinner at their house, that kind of thing. Although the resort is facing some hardship, Kelly says Sun Peaks is feeling positive. Even with all those challenges, we still do count ourselves pretty lucky because there's a lot of people in the province of BC right now who aren't as lucky that are going through more challenging times than us. Amanda Lina Leterio, CFJC News. All right, well, as Yvonne mentioned during that story, those beautiful scenic shots certainly will be appealing to many as well, mm -hmm. I'm sure. All right, Barry's back for a preview of what is coming up in sports. Barry. Yeah, as we mentioned earlier, the uh, Canucks uh, have played their last game before the Christmas break. Their next two have been uh, postponed because the NHL says they do not want teams crossing the border. So Tuesday, when they were going to go to San Jose, Thursday, home to the Ducks, postponed till after the break. Just breaking, the Habs and Leafs say they have suspended all team operations until after the Christmas break. I would expect the Canucks would follow suit. It makes no sense to practice if they don't play again until the 27th and risk uh, further infection. They have not made that announcement, but it makes sense. That's what coming it is coming. So unfortunately, it's a, a tough time of year to hear all this news about all the hockey being paused, but hopefully uh, it'll be for the better as we move forward. Fingers crossed all around the province, mm -hmm. I'm sure. All right, thanks for that, Barry. Also ahead, a milestone anniversary of a show of support for asylum seekers. The Canadians um, opened their houses, hearts uh, to us. What this holiday season means for many in the local Polish community. Next. This is BC with Jay Durant, brought to you in part by Fortis BC, BC's energy solutions provider. For many in the local Polish community, this holiday season marks the 40th anniversary of martial law being declared in their homeland. That's when the communist government began restricting civil liberties in the face of the solidarity movement. That had a ripple effect in BC when British Columbians rallied around dozens of Polish fishers and crew after they walked off their ships seeking asylum in Canada. Here's Jay Durant with tonight's This is BC. The captain was concerned that he was going to lose more of his crew. Gregor Filipowski is watching news footage of a moment that changed the course of his life. Just before Christmas 1981, after martial law had been declared in Poland, Filipowski and several of his crewmates made the decision to leave their home country for good. The day I was jump ship, I had a five dollars in my pocket because, you know, didn't, I didn't plan that, so it just happened. Within a month, an estimated 100 fishermen were granted asylum in B.C. There were some sleepless nights for many of them, leading up to the difficult decision to leave their family behind in Poland and start a new life. There was some knocking of the door and uh, saluting and, 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 and basically interrogating my mom and dad. Uh, how did they raise their son uh, that, you know, uh, uh, that he decided to leave the country and, and become a traitor? 
When word got around about what was happening at the dock, British Columbians came to help. Many people were giving crew members a temporary place to live. It was an emotional first Christmas on Canadian soil. We are happy that uh, we are staying here. Families welcoming complete strangers into their home. Thank you very much. Merry Christmas for you. Okay, take care now. They treated me very, very, very well. And I was learning a lot of English from the kids. I became actually their uncle almost right away. It was a spontaneous reaction of many Canadians, including Polish Canadians, trade unions, uh, BC Federation of Labour. So here it is, my sailor's bag, the same bag I walk into Canada. This bag was all Janusz Nowitzki packed when he came to replace the first wave of crewmen who defected. He too would stay in BC. Every Christmas since, he remembers the kindness and generosity shown by Canadians during one of the most uncertain times of his life. Uh, Canadians um, opened their uh, houses, hearts uh, to us. Uh, was uh, was awesome. I, uh, I really uh, have very um, positive and uh, feeling about it. Jay Durant, Global News. If you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC that people need to know about, you can email your ideas to thisisbc@globalnews.ca. All right, and Barry's back with the full sports cast after the break and later. It's absolutely worth it to see the smile on people's face. A look at some holiday humor on display and the effort behind it. Stay with us. Join us in supporting British Columbians who need our help. Global BC, 980 CKNW, AM 730 and Global Okanagan are partnering for BC Together in support of BC Flood Relief. Visit globalnews.ca slash bctogether to donate to an organization of your choice that are helping communities in need. Learn about our connection to the magnificent Orca at the Royal BC Museum exhibit Orcas Our Shared Future. Dig into the science, popular culture and indigenous beliefs to gain a new appreciation of these sophisticated animals. If you want to know, it's on the hub. If you want to show, it's on the hub. If you want to go, it's on the Global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now. All right, Barry's back once again for the full sports cast. And Barry, while it's not surprising, there is some more disappointing news for NHL fans. Yeah, it looks like uh, we'll be taking some steps back here for the next mm -hmm. little while, but hopefully uh, it won't be as bad as it was uh, a couple of years ago. As you heard earlier, the NHL has postponed all cross-border games starting tomorrow through the Christmas break, which starts on Friday the 24th. That means the Canucks are done until December 27th when they host Seattle. Their scheduled game in San Jose Tuesday and a home date Thursday the 23rd against the Ducks have both been postponed, making it four games now that have to be rescheduled. If you have tickets for any of the home games postponed, hang on to them for now and the Canucks will announce the new dates once they are set. Some good news though, no new positive tests announced. The Canucks currently have six players on the COVID list. Now the Blues and Jets did play today in Winnipeg, St. Louis was already in uh, Canada when the league made the announcement about the cross-border games. Late first, Mark Scheifele, after a slow start to the season, 
finding his sniper self again. That's his eighth 2-1 Winnipeg. Third period, Blues had just scored to cut the lead to 3-2. But 16 seconds later, Paul Stashney with his second of the game. Jets take it 4-2. Canucks, by the way, despite six straight wins, still six points out of the final playoff spot in the West. Alex Ovechkin and the Capitals taking on the L.A. Kings. Ovechkin third in league scoring, 47 points, just two back of McDavid and Dreisaitl. Second period, just as a power play ends, Justin Schultz, first shot blocked. But lasers one to the top corner. 2-0 caps, but the Kings roar back. Down 2-1 off the rush. Christian Wolanin will convert the juicy rebound. That goal can't go in against an NHL goalie. It's 2-2. And then later in the third, Adrian Kempe in alone, and he will chip it past Vitek Vanacek. And the replay shows Kempe got a bit of a lucky hop there. Accidentally knocks it in, but he'll take it. Kings win 3-2, so that's not good news for the Canucks. Western League this afternoon from Langley, Vancouver Giants and Tri-City Americans. Mid-third, Giants down a goal, but Cole Shepard gets the deflection of the Tanner Brown shot. Ties it 4-4, but just two minutes later, Samuel Huo snaps at top shelf. Tri-City edge the Giants 6-5 as the Western League reaches its eight-day Christmas break. The Seahawks game versus the Rams was moved to Tuesday because more than 20 Rams were on the COVID list earlier this week. Now the Seahawks numbers are going up. They had six more positives today, two of his players, bringing the total to eight, which includes star receiver Tyler Lockett. But he may still be able to return if he gets two negative tests in one day. Seahawks basically have to win their final four games to have any chance of squeezing into the playoffs. Games today, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals with a chance to clinch if they could beat last place Detroit, but the Lions had different ideas. Jared Goff, 22 yards to Josh Reynolds for the TD. Lions have played much better the past half dozen games or so. 17-0 they led at the half. Third quarter after a pick, the Lions will score again. Jason Cabinda, the six-yard TD catch from Goff. Lions win their second straight of the year, 30-12 over Arizona, who have now lost two in a row. Packers and Ravens, Green Bay looking for that top seed in the NFC. Fourth quarter, Aaron Rodgers with his third touchdown pass of the game finds Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Pack would build up a 31-17 lead. Rodgers ties Brett Farr for most TD passes as a Packers QB at 442. But the Ravens rally rookie quarterback Tyler Huntry, uh, Huntley rather, in for the injured Lamar Jackson. Runs in his second major of the game, makes it 31-30. The Ravens, though, decide to go for the win instead of the extra point to take it to overtime. But Huntley's pass knocked down and the Packers hang on 31-30. Pack go to 11-3. They clinch the NFC North. Ravens drop to 8-6. Check out the Bills and Panthers from Buffalo. Josh Allen hurt his ankle last week. Didn't run as much as he usually does today, but he sure did pass it well. Finds Stephon Diggs for the 11-yard touchdown. And the Bills jumped out 14-0 over the Panthers. Third quarter, Allen with his second of three TD passes on the day. This one to Gabriel Davis. Bills take it 31-14. They go to 8-6. and six. And Buffalo still above the playoff line in the AFC, but it is crowded. World Cup bobsled from Altenburg, Germany. Summerland BC's Justin Cripps has never meddled on this tough track in the four-man, but that all changed today. Put together a pair of fantastic runs, was second after the first, and had a consistent final run as well. Had a bit of a bump late, but had enough speed to beat the Russian sled. Cripps finished second to German Francesco Friedrich. Cripps crashed in practice, was pretty beat up physically, but gutted out a silver medal. Second straight week, 
he has medaled in the four-man event. And ski cross from Italy. Cultus Lakes, Reese Howden in the blue bib, starting in the second gate from the top. One is semifinal heat, but Switzerland's Ryan Reguez in the red took the lead off the start and never gave it up. Howden did slip back to fourth late in the race, but managed to get back on the podium, crossing the line in third. So can never complain about a podium finish in ski cross. Brett Howden holds on for a bronze medal. English Premiership first place Man City taking on 19th place uh, Newcastle. Already 1-0 City. Zhao Cancelo with a fantastic effort. Ripper from 20 yards out. 2-0 at the half. City had two more in the second half. Raheem Sterling with the easy tap in off the feed from Gabriel Jesus. Man City win it 4-0 and they look pretty good right now. 14-2 and 2 record to top the table. Second place, Liverpool trying to keep pace, taking on Spurs. Andrew Robinson gives Liverpool the lead in the 69th. Spurs complained there should have been a handball from Mo Salah in the setup there, but it stood 2-1 Liverpool in front. But just five minutes later, Liverpool goalkeeper Allison with an egregious error. Son Hung-min gets the equalizer for Tottenham. And Liverpool held to a two-all draw today, so they now trail Man City by three points in the EPL. And final round of the family team event from Orlando, the PNC champion and Charlie Woods in their matching Sunday Reds. Tiger with the approach shot here on the third. That's the par five, and that sets up an eagle opportunity, and Charlie gets first crack, and he will knock it in for the eagle for Team Woods, who went on quite a run. Great tee shot here from Charlie at the 17th, the par three from 169. This kid's got an excellent swing, as you might expect. Look at that. That was their 11th straight birdie, and they tied for the lead at 25 under. But behind them at the 16th, a great approach by John Daly Sr. And you know he's senior because he's got the Santa Claus beard, playing with his 18-year-old son, John Jr., who's a very good college golfer. They made birdie there, got to 26 under, and had a one-shot lead. Tiger and Charlie parred the uh, par 5 18th, so they finish at 15 under 57 today, minus 25. Second overall, Big John Daly with the short birdie at 18, and it's a daily double. They win the PNC Championship at 27 under. They also shot a 57 today. And that is it for sports. And again, Canucks getting a long Christmas break, whether they like it or not. Not back until the 27th, we hope, against Seattle. Continuing to keep those fingers crossed. Yes, a lot of fingers crossed. <laughs> exactly. Thanks very much, Barry. We'll be right back with the Ditto holiday display that works smarter, not harder, to keep up with the neighbors. Stay with us. In Saskatoon, those driving through one neighborhood are being treated to some Christmas spirit and good humor. A ditto lights display has been getting plenty of attention and pictures from locals. The attraction is right next door to a fantastic lights display that includes a projector showing the night's movie. And the owners felt it was necessary to provide some laughs with everything going on in the world. Not much to kind of be merry about this time of year when everything that's going on and 
anything that could brighten someone's day is worth it. I agree. It, you know, for, for $250 and maybe 20 to 30 hours of effort, it's absolutely worth it to see the smile on people's face. And they say they plan to keep the light display up through the holiday season and into the new year. That is a show off neighbor next door. That's the best he can do, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. All right. Uh, one quick final check on the forecast, Yvonne. Going to be chilly overnight. Temperatures below the freezing mark. Could see some icy road conditions. So a heads up and potential for some snow into early next week. Take it slow tomorrow morning and beyond. Thanks very much for joining us, everybody. Jordan will be here at 11.